Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here on episode 654 with Darren Verasami. Darren has some pro tips on how to make your strengths work as best as they can for huge results for both you and your team. So you'll learn, one, how strengths can be both an asset and a liability, two, the surprising sign of genius, and three, the trick to turn your blind spots into strengths. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcripts or the links to items we've referenced, please drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash F654. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, check out some cool resources like the magnifying glass, which lets you search the full text transcript of every episode we've ever had. So that's pretty cool. Now here's Darren's story. Darren Verasami is the co-founder and chief operating officer of 34 Strong, which is comprised of a team that believes everyone deserves a great place to work and that any workplace can be great. A leading expert in the global employee engagement community, the 34 Strong team leverages the strengths-based approach to human development to create massive shifts within organizations, both culturally and on the bottom line. He and his team have created sustainable change in small micro-businesses, all the way up to large organizational teams at the FDA, Bank of America, and the California Department of Public Health. Darren is the co-host of the Leading Strong podcast and the host of the Nature Advantage podcast. Big thanks to Darren for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Darren. Darren, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Pete. What an honor to be here. Well, I am excited to hear about so much of your wisdom. And first, I want to hear, I understand you recently moved to Barbados. From where? What's the story? Okay. So yes, I am talking to you right now from Barbados. I moved from California, from Sacramento. I am a business owner. I am the co-founder of a company called 34 Strong. That didn't dissipate. We're in a virtual world now. So I have relocated here to Barbados. A big part of that story, Pete, was the fact that we wanted to give our kids a chance to live abroad. My family is originally from the Caribbean, from British Guyana, my parents and whatnot. Barbados had a program called the Welcome Home 
stamp, the Welcome Home Visa, and that opened up over the course of 2020. Now, the interesting part, Pete, was we made the decision to make a move to the Caribbean in the summer of 2019 before COVID or any of that hit. So 2020 was going to be the year that we planned on making that move to give the kids a chance to get a different experience living overseas, looking into the United States and really appreciating some of the things that we had there and then getting a different appreciation from a global perspective. One final piece I will say about that is a big part of that impetus as well was for me personally, outside of for my family, was I really wanted to step into just leveling up into my strengths as a dad and stepping into that place. And I was personally ready to just shift into an environment like here that was going to force some of that because of some of the connections I had seen with my kids when we had been together on past trips to the West Indies, different islands. Well, well, that sounds like a cool adventure. And so kudos, you did it and you're living it and you're loving it. So that's cool. We're going to talk a lot about strengths here. Can you orient us quickly? Your company, 34 Strong, what is it? Yeah, we actually do a lot of work in the space of organizational development and well-being. One of the tools that we've become very known for is our work with the Clifton Strengths Assessment with helping to define what's right with team members instead of fixating on what's wrong with them. And then we really focus on moving the needle on employee engagement and well-being. There's a, there's a loop connection between people's overall well-being in their life and employee engagement and their engagement in their work. So we actually work in both of those spaces uh, and we use strengths as a foundational uh, foundation as kind of an anchor to build from. That's cool. Well, so we've talked about strengths a couple times on the show and the difference it can make. Maybe could you paint a picture perhaps by telling a story of just one professional who they were living their career life pre-strengths awareness <laughs> and then they came to get an understanding of their strengths in a profound way and then and saw things take off as a result. Yeah. So when we think of playing to our strengths, let me start by giving this this caveat. There's this great question that Dr. Donald Clifton asked. He's known as the father of the whole strengths-based movement and that perspective and this type of thinking. And he asked this question that ended up guiding his life, Pete, and it was simply what happens when we focus on what's right with people instead of fixating on what's wrong with them. And that guided his whole life work. So getting to your specific question about how did that create a shift? I'll never forget early on in 34 Strong's life cycle in our, in our career as a company when we were building it, there was a scenario where there was somebody that was in kind of a managerial role. Okay. And they were managing a team. And what started happening, there was these two managers. There was a manager effectively and an assistant manager, and they had to work together. But here's what had happened. They got to the place where they were not speaking and hadn't actually spoken for 18 months. They'd be in meetings together and they literally wouldn't speak to each other. Talk about toxicity, right? Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was they both went through the strengths finder process and the manager went through it. And the reason I started with the question of what happens when we focus on what's right with people instead of fixating on what's wrong with them, when we talk about strengths, it's easy to think of, oh, let's just focus on our strengths and ignore our weaknesses. That actually couldn't be further from the truth. We actually become highly aware of where we are strong. So we own those elements and we have to own where our weaknesses show up. And here's the key caveat. Our strengths can be our greatest assets and our greatest liabilities. This particular manager, Pete, had an awakening. 
she came to understand that there was things that she was doing that were contributing to how her counterpart was showing up that was triggering her strength. So it went from this lens of self-awareness to team awareness in terms of how they work through. She came to an understanding of her own strengths and realize how that might be completely out of alignment with somebody else's strengths on the team. And then that rippled well beyond just this assistant manager, but to other team members as to how she was showing up. So a big piece of the puzzle that came here was this awakening of self-awareness in understanding how do I show up as I want to so I can be confident in where I shine, and how can I be confident around the areas where I'm blind, where I might be stepping into it and not even understanding that. Long story short, that relationship synced up and that whole division synced up in the time that took place after that. And there was moving in a direction where it could have ended up very, very ugly from an HR perspective. All of that went down by the wayside and actually completely improved the overall performance of, uh, of that whole division as a result of those two's relationship thawing out. Yeah, well, that, that is really cool. And so I remember I've got a Dodie Gomer. She was a guest on the podcast and, and she told a story about she went through some strengths work and one of her top strengths was positivity. And then she was working with someone who had another strength. I don't remember what it was. It was like skepticism, but that's not one of them. I don't know. Maybe deliberative or restorative, where there's a natural tendency to ask a lot of questions, like give me yeah. the proof first and going through looking at things from a very risk perspective or seeing very, very solutions focused, but to get to solutions have to identify the problem first, but go on. Yeah. And so the facilitator said, oh, so you see the problem with this? And, and Dodie's like, not at all. She's like, your manager thinks you're full of it. <laughs> like she just doesn't believe you like with that positivity, that's not kind of vibing or natural for them. And, uh, and sure enough, that was, that was on the money. So, so that's what I think is kind of interesting here is that I think many of us have taken Clifton strengths or, or, or a tool that goes after it. And listeners, if you hadn't, I just recommend every human do it. It's, it's great and fun and quick and you, know, you learn some things. But so then once we've got sort of our report, like, okay, these are my top five strengths, or, you know, I went with the whole enchilada, you know, one to 34, all ranked. Uh, so I've got all of mine. Um, it's it's kind of like, now what? I, I think a lot of people say is like, okay, so my top strengths are ideation, strategic, learner, activator, input. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Then I read a bit about what those words mean. And I feel good. And I say, yeah, I guess that's kind of right. Okay, that, that kind of rings true. So I, I'm wondering, so how do I go from, okay, I've got my report to, I am going to build a, an exceptional career with this as the, the, my rock and foundation. So I think that's a great question. There's, that's often a question that we come, come, come against here and it's, so what, now what? And that's a really important question to ask here because we have to switch the lens towards looking at it from how do I apply this? So some very practical techniques to go through. There's an exercise that we utilize at 34 Strong. It's, it's part of our series that we actually train our managers on, but we actually train our train staff on it. In fact, as a company, we're going through this right now for Q1. So this is how, how much we believe in it. And, that, and that's everybody in the company. Myself as one of the founders and part of the leadership team all the way through to every single member of our staff. And it's a very simple exercise. We call it the triple G and it's called grind, greatness, and genius. So when we think of our grind, 
our greatness and our genius. We have to think of these in terms of the respective zones that we show up in here. So grind, greatness, genius, when we're thinking about our grind zones, Pete, these are the things that when you think of in your work, in your career, just the thought of thinking about these things causes your stomach to go in knots. You get pits in your stomach just thinking about these things. Oh my gosh, I have to do these elements, right? Now here's an important caveat as you're going through this. Everybody's going to have grind in your work. It's called work. <laughs> There's going to be grind. The goal here is evaluating where your grind zone is, where your greatness and your genius zones are, and then thinking of ways that we can shift towards spending more time in our greatness and our genius zone. And I speak of this a little bit more wider. Just in, if you've taken the Clifton Strengths Assessment, your knowledge from that will further deepen by going through this exercise. If you haven't taken it, this is still a very applicable exercise. And this can, again, for all levels of, of your career. The greatness zone, Pete, these are things that you do well. You enjoy doing them. There's some level of enjoyment and you feel pretty strong in it. You can do them really, really well. Now, here's an important part to understand. And this is, again, whether you're a leader or whether you're an employee, you might have strengths that will allow you to get into the greatness zone to where you're actually really good at doing something that's actually in your grind zone. So you're grinding to do it, but when others are looking in, they'll, they'll say, Pete, but you do such a good job at this, but you do not love doing it. So make sure you actually segment those things out. It's really important for us to do that. I'll give you an example of this. For me personally, in my old job that I had before this, uh, before I started 34 Strong Pete, I was a senior project manager at a commercial construction company. And I would often get pulled into the fire drill projects where a project had gone sideways. And my thought process was constantly to the owners of the company hey, instead of having me parachute in and be the firefighter on these jobs to repair client relations and going through, why don't we spend a little more time training the other project managers on these? I can spend the time with doing that. And that never became an area of focus. It was constant firefighting that didn't need to happen. So I got really good at doing something that I didn't love. I felt like I would have been much better in training and developing people. And then lo and behold, I started a company that mm -hmm. focuses on training and developing people. So that's an important distinction to make. And then finally, we get to the genius zone. So when we step into the genius zone, these are the things that you do so well, Pete, and that people can do so well. Oftentimes, you personally might overlook them or be frustrated. This is a very important or, or be frustrated if somebody can't do these things. Maybe you're a person that very naturally, like you were talking about with your strengths, with strategic ideation, you can very rapidly see where things are going. Oftentimes for those strengths, they're sitting in a meeting, they're sitting in a program and they're like, okay, I get it. I see where this is going. Let's move. Let's get on to that place. And many others need to actually catch up in going through. That's a sign of genius. In sometimes our frustrations can be a sign of our genius mm -hmm. and the brilliance that we bring. So that can be something that we do so well that others come up to us. And these are the things that we will often overlook and say, yeah, it's no big deal. Anybody could do that. If you ever catch yourself making that statement in any point in your career, I encourage you to pause because you're overlooking a key area of value that comes to you so naturally that others see it as a huge gift that you're providing and you're just overlooking at it as no big deal. That's a sign of your genius that you have to give. So again, grind, greatness, genius. Spend some time over the course of a month, make a list of 
three columns. I think we have a resource on our website as well, 34strong.com, where you can actually grab one of those um, or message us for those. And we, we, we can send you one of those links to be able to get that. And it's an exercise that you can actually go through to take some inventory of that and think of that. And that can serve as a framework to start moving and asking yourself, how can I spend more time in my greatness and my genius zones? And we can think of ways that we can partner with others who might be in their greatness or genius zone when we're in our grind zone. Mm-hmm. And can you share some other telltale signs for our genius zone? I think the frustration is great in terms of that can tell you something. What are some other indicators that would be like, aha, this is genius territory? So genius territory is when you feel very energized by doing these things. It again, feels like second nature. You're stepping into doing something. It's felt like you have known how to do this your whole life. That's one of the clues to talent. And there's a level of not only energy, but enthusiasm. After you've gotten through it, you want to do it again. You might be tired. You might be at the end of the day. You might be exhausted. And and you see this surge that can be rising to do it. You find yourself in positions where there's third party validation of excellence. This is not me saying, hey, I'm a great singer when I'm singing in the shower. It's like I'm actually singing outwardly and other people are validating that for you. When you're getting that validation, here's another piece, Pete, that I will share. Think of the reasons that people seek you out as a complimentary partner. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't thought of why is it that people come to you, ask that question. What is the value that I do bring? Because oftentimes, again, it's staring us right in the face. We're looking at each other right now through a camera. But if we were in person, I wouldn't be able to see my face. So if I had a big giant mark on my face, I'd hope, Pete, that you'd say, hey, you know, you might want to remove that blemish. You've got a leaf or something sitting on your face. My point here is oftentimes our talents, similarly, that genius zone lies so close to us, we cannot see it. So it's when we actually seek that out and find out what, what is it that we bring? What is unique about the perspective that we bring? You talked about your strength of ideation. Oftentimes, people will come to somebody with the strength of ideation and really enjoy digging into things with them because they're constantly and quickly able to see many, many different ideas and bring a very, very fresh perspective and not get stuck in the, well, we've always done this the same way, so we need to keep doing it that way. That can be a huge tell for us to really grow in our career and in our job, again, wherever you're at in that cycle. And let's talk about, I don't know if you want to call them weaknesses or lesser strengths, or what's number 33 or 34 on the the Clifton Strengths Report. For me, it's consistency and adaptability. Okay. Fun fact. So what should we do with those? Yeah. So our bottom five, we like to look at if you do go through the Clifton Strengths process and you take a look at your full 34 report, you really want to get to a place where you own your top 10 and spend the time to understand not how they only exist individually, but how they exist collectively. The reason for that is the likelihood of somebody having their top 10 in the same order as you is one in six billion. So even though Pete, you and I share activator, you have activator, you have input, you have ideation much higher. We share activator and learner in our top 10, you have those as your top five, but that ideation that you share, that that you have there, that's a little bit lower for me. That's not quite as high. I appreciate ideation, but what I'm getting at is the way that activator and ideation will pair versus the way that activator and self-assurance might pair. The way that I have those, that's going to be a slightly different brand of the way that that activator goes through. So we want to start in that top 10 and understanding that, and that pivots right down 
to the next phase of understanding, getting into exactly what you talked about, the bottom five. So we want to explore our bottom five. And here's the reason why. It's not to step into the place of deficit thinking. A lot of times, and when I say deficit thinking, we think that our greatest opportunity for growth and excellence lies in focusing on our areas of weakness. That's not true. What we're getting at here is our greatest opportunities for growth and human excellence lie in those top 10. But when we look at the bottom five, what are we inevitably going to have? People that have those in their top 10. Those are our blind spots. So getting to a place where we can understand those strengths, we can also come up with an awareness of how do those strengths provide benefit? How can they give rise to the best ideas? How will they balance out my very own gaps of where I'm at to actually create a much stronger outcome overall for the team, for the organization and going through? And understanding them is not, again, to the lens to become them, but spending the time to, to dig into that so we can figure out what those needs are, so we can figure out how those can play into a greater good and really bring out the fact that on teams, our differences can be our greatest advantage that we have. The analogy I like to give with this is the Golden Gate Bridge. I mentioned to you at the top of our, our time together is the Golden Gate Bridge. It, we've all seen it. It's absolutely beautiful. But the cables that keep those two towers standing are pulling in different directions, right? There's a little bit of tension that's there. And the healthy amount of tension is actually what gives rise to the strength of the bridge in and of itself. Much the same way, Pete, that's what gives rise to the strength of teams where we go from self-awareness and how do I grow in my career to how do I then ripple that to my coworkers that we need to flow, work together and give rise to the best ideas. And we, we come to that understanding as opposed to just saying, this person's difficult. We start to understand where they're coming from, what they bring that's very unique and that can be an advantage to getting to exactly where we're collectively trying to go as our outcome. Well, and can you share some of those those tactical, specific adjustments you'd make in your environment and with others to pull that off so more of us are spending more time in the, the genius zone? Yeah, so I love what you said with your bottom one. Your 34 is consistency. Let's just use that. So somebody that's really strong in the strength of consistency, they're going to thrive oftentimes in creating and establishing systems and routines that we can rinse and repeat and in going through. And they're naturally going to think in that sort of capacity. So for you, for instance, if you were working with somebody that was very strong in the consistency strength and your ideation, your strategic, your activator might move in very different directions. But I might understand, if I'm in your shoes, you might understand, if I'm working with somebody that's very strong in consistency and in understanding that, they might have needs that are different than mine. So I'll give you an example of this. Your ideation might naturally go to a place where it's going to communicate different ideas. And what we're searching for is to give rise to the best ideas. So we might throw six, seven, eight, ten different ideas on the board. And somebody with consistency might be listening and saying, whoa, 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 which one of these are we doing? Because their brain is not naturally thinking in the context of we're throwing seven, eight ideas on the board to kind of wrestle with them and then see if we could push together and come up with a best idea out of that. Maybe it's not one of those 10. Maybe it's one that merges together. So when we're communicating with somebody that might have consistency high, when we're looking at potentially disrupting that pattern, we give acknowledgement to the fact that, hey, consistency is going to bring the system. I want a message to you. So if, I, if I'm, I'm you, Pete, I might tell somebody with consistency, just letting them know right now, 
I'm in the process of ideating. I might be very intentional in communicating that up front. So we have not landed in a consistent place. In fact, the work that we're doing now is to come up with the idea of what that could look like and leading the conversation with that. Because if not, the way that they're receiving that information might be through the lens of let's establish the system right now. And where you might be at is working through defining what even the relevant ideas might be for the system. In a nutshell, you're both working towards the same goal, but you're in different places as to where you might show up. So in spending the time to to be curious, not only about just reading the report, but if you have somebody on your team that's strong with that, get curious about them. Ask them, tell me more about consistency. That's one of my bottom ones. That's in my bottom five. How does that show up for you? What does that mean to you? And learning about that and asking them if they have any specific needs that they feel like they have to be successful. Yeah. What are the needs that they have to be successful? That might be very different than your need, and that will help you to grow your connection with direct teammates, with people that you manage, or if you're managing up the chain, with understanding what success looks like for them. And that will help you to nurture and strengthen those relationships and, and again, advance in your career as you're continuing to grow in those techniques. Yeah, you know, Shane Metcalf, you know, a recent guest brought up the, those perspectives associated with the strength and, and the associated need. Can you say more about that and give us some examples? So, so ideation, strategic learner, activator, those are some strengths. You say there's some particular needs that, that are often tied to them and what might be some examples of those? Yeah, Shane's a great guy. I've worked extensively with 15.5 and with Shane since 15.5 was, a, I think, a nine-person company. Uh, so outstanding, outstanding human being, great friends with him. When we think of some of the needs, right? So you mentioned Activator. I'm going to talk about that particular strength and how it kind of falls into place here. A need that some strengths might have and some of these are known as our influencing strengths here, Pete, they might need to verbally process. They might need to, when I say verbally process, for verbal processors, some of our strengths like activator, like communication, like command, self-assurance, maximizer, those are some of them. They might need to verbally process where they think by talking. So the talking process is thinking. Now, here's the thing that's fascinating. When we're listening to somebody that has these strengths, When they're thinking out loud and going through that process, because those strengths bring with them a certain level of presence to be able to influence others, one of the things that we have to be mindful of if we have those strengths or if we're working with somebody with those strengths is when they're verbally processing, they might be influencing us. We might be feeling like an activator creates some urgency to, gosh, we got to get going. We got to get started on this. And an activator might unintentionally be getting things started and getting people going on things when they're still in the verbal processing phase. So if you understand the needs of somebody that might be a verbal processor, my business partner, Brandon Miller, for instance, he is very much a verbal processor. And when we first started 34 Strong, I was very much an executor, right? So I would hear a story that made sense. I would say, hey, we could get this done. We could get this done. We could get that done. So I'd hear what he might have been verbal processing. And what did I do, Pete? I went right forward to the task. And three days later, we'd have a chat. I'd say, hey, I got this done. I got this started. We're moving forward with this. And he might say, why did you get all that started? Why'd you do that? And I'm, I'm thinking, well, we talked about it. Because in my brain, the only reason you talk about something is if you're going to do it. 
And that's where we were missing. And thankfully, that didn't cause us to disconnect. We weren't eating our own cooking. And it came to the place of understanding for him, he signaled to me, hey, Darren, I'm just verbally processing. So that was my signal to just allow that to go, allow that process to flow. And then for me, if I wasn't sure if, hey, do we need to be moving to task on this? I could easily ask and say, Mm -hmm. are you just verbally processing right now? Or are we getting ready to land the plane right now? Do we want to move to task on this? That's just one example there. But those little nuances in understanding those of different team members can be the difference between frustration and acceleration, as opposed to having to do things one, two, three, four times, as we're just missing how we actually connect and how people best learn and go forward. Absolutely. And that's one huge one right there in terms of, is this a commitment or is this just sort of kind of thinking about some things? And folks, their feelings can be hurt. Like I, I built my, I, I planned my whole day around this thing that we talked about. It's like, oh, sorry. I was just sort of one option among many. So great to zero in on that. Darren, tell me anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Yeah, I think these are really powerful tools to to be able to take advantage of in thinking through and in framing our thinking. And I want to let everybody know as well, you can go beyond this in just your work environments. You can take this sort of thinking home. Think of if you do have children or if you have a spouse. I mean, what was really revealing for me, Pete, early on was when my wife and I both got our 34 reports unlocked and I realized Three of her top five alone were in my bottom five. Everything that I'm talking about of understanding where people are coming from, that made our relationship make so much more sense. And we've even applied this into the, the vein of parenting with our kids. And there's a there's a whole platform and, and, and push forward for, for going through that as well and, and digging into that great book called Incredible Parent was released earlier in January. And there's actually a, a parenting assessment on strengths as well. And that was written by my business partner, Brandon and Annalyn Miller. And our whole Barbados story is actually featured in that book as well. All right, cool. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? So a favorite quote of mine that I have lived by for a long time, I have so many, but the one that really stands out that's at the core of the life that we live within 34 Strong is this African proverb, Pete, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go with others. All right. Thank you. And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? So my good friend, Joseph McClendon III. Oh, I've seen him speak with Tony Robbins. He's Tony Robbins' business partner. We did some power moves together. You did some power moves? I don't know if he'd remember me. I was one of thousands. <laughs> yeah. So Joseph's actually a dear friend of mine. That's great. We share share the space of bass playing, and we facilitated some workshops together on uh, future vision thinking and whatnot with... Uh, the iconic bass player, uh, Victor Wooten. So him and I have shared that. But the story that he has shared, a study that he talked about, was simply this. When he was doing his doctorate of neuroscience, when he was going through his doctorate in that, there was a stretch of highway in this two-lane road in Southern California, right? And on one side of the road, Pete, there was light poles, right? Telephone poles every, you know, 100 yards or 200 yards, whatever it was. So what was fascinating to Joseph was accidents would happen on that highway. And frequently, at over 50% of those accidents would end up with at least one vehicle hitting a telephone pole, which made no sense to Joseph because the, it didn't just divot off and there was like these divots that went down. It was flat, open dirt and fields. So what ended up happening for Joseph was he started doing studies and he interviewed 
everybody that uh, survived these. And there was a common theme that emerged, Pete. And it was simply this. Everybody said, you know, Joseph, the last thing I saw coming at me was a light pole. And that was it for him. What happened for him is you realize people are what they focus on. They were so focused on not hitting the light pole, they never saw the wide open fields that were there for them to go through. And that is at the core of a lot of what Joseph has gotten into in his teaching as an ultimate performance specialist. And I love that story because you cannot hit what you're not focusing on. How can you become strengths-based if you're focusing on your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Thank you. And a favorite book? Favorite book of mine. There's, there's many to mention. I love Think and Grow Rich, the classic version by Napoleon Hill. I read it at least once a year, and it seems to constantly teach me something new on a personal level, on a life level, and on a business and work level each time as well. And a favorite tool? I love the Clifton Strengths Assessment. It's pretty powerful. Oh, sure. <laughs> That's an obvious one. And a favorite habit? One of my favorite habits right now is collaborating with nature. So I believe that as we become more technologically connected, we've become more nature disconnected. And we have, nature has always been a catalyst for human excellence, human innovation, and so much of what we do is tied up in that place. So, and I actually talk about that uh, as I explore people just like Joseph McClendon. He was one of my first guests and I interview him on my show, The Nature Advantage. And he shares a lot of his takeaways of how he's actually used nature to step into his own genius. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They, they quote it back to you frequently. Yeah. So one of the ones that comes back to me a lot is be confidently vulnerable. And by that, I mean, be confident in where you shine and where you're blind. When we step into the place of being confidently vulnerable, we own who we are and we own who we're not. And that allows for our self-awareness to grow and our team awareness to grow. That's at the core of being strengths-based. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? I would tell them to check out 34strong.com. You can find me as well on LinkedIn, and you can find me at natureadvantageshow.com as well. And check out the Leading Strong podcast as well through 34strong. Okay. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah. I say go visit 34strong.com, and there's a free download that's right there on the power of setting clear expectations. This can be a valuable tool if you're in a managerial role. I know with Shane, you talked about the importance of identifying recognition. What are the forms of recognition that people like? There's just 10 simple questions that you can ask of somebody that you're managing or of a partner that you're working with to understand their learning styles better, understand how they like to be recognized and what success will look like for them. That's something that you can use immediately and put into work. So take advantage of that. All right. Darren, thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you and 34 Strong lots of luck. Thanks a lot, Pete. Really appreciate being on here today. Thanks for the work you're doing. I was really struck by Darren's point there about how if you find yourself frustrated with other people, like, why can't they just do this? Then that very well can be a great clue that that happens to be an area of strength for you. I love that perspective. And it also can help diffuse some of your frustration that you're feeling, right? Like you could feel awesome. Like, hey, you know what? It's pretty cool. I've got that strength. Yeah. As opposed to, ah, I'm just mad at the world and everyone underperforming. It, it is funny. I thought of him recently because I've been chatting with some folks, uh, some experts and, and paying them a, a pretty penny, a, a high hourly rate <laughs> for their expertise. And... I had an idea. I was like, well, hey, why don't we just do this? 
And they're like, that's brilliant. And you know, that felt good in the moment. But afterwards I was a little frustrated, like, wait a minute, aren't you the genius experts that are supposed to have the great ideas and that's what I'm paying you for? And yet I am the one having them. What's up with that? But what's up with that is ideation is my number one strength and maybe I shouldn't be so surprised. And the value I get from experts is not that they're necessarily going to have all the great ideas I need, but rather they're going to fuel me and my ideation machine with new input that I wouldn't get anywhere else. And thusly, it's that teamwork which makes the dream work. So no need to be frustrated, but rather grateful for that strength and for how we can unite our strengths together to form Captain Planet or something like that. Anyway, the show notes, the transcript, the links to as we've referenced are over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP654. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.